P-S-N-Y. How's it going, guys? After over a month on the shelf, uh, thanks to me being stuck in Nick's limbo covering that for ESNY and just needing a general break from sports Twitter, Bleacher Creatures is back with episode 160, an official relaunch brought to you as always by XL Media, Crossing Broad, Elite Sports NY, uh, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Alec, what's good, man? Not much. Not much. Are you ready for uh, future Rangers coach Peter Laviolette? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna like vomit. Oh God, dude! Like, I, what is it about? Uh, someone needs to do something at the athletic about just how the coaching hiring process in the NHL. It's every okay. Every so often, you, like a guy like Dave Quinn might come in and succeed moderately. But for the most part, it's retread after retread after retread. And then the rest of the time, and then otherwise, it's okay, let's hire, let's either risk this assistant or this ex-player and hope they hit as well. Yeah, it's an old boys club. That's all that's all the NHL is. It's an old boys club from from management, like from general managers to to head coaches. You know, it's you got if you if you're in the door once, you're never leaving. And it's Annoying because you're never going to see really intriguing options step up and, you know, like, like the, like a good example of a guy who is doing well or, or a couple guys where, you know, they were kind of out of the box hires, if you think about it, and they had really good success. Jim Montgomery with Boston and, you know, like Rod Brindamore, you know, yeah, yeah. Brindamore has that like history of being a player for the Canes and, 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 you know, is I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but like a borderline Hall of Famer, like so he's like he, always, was a, he was a household name at some point. Yeah, he was always going to have that kind of inside track for a job, but like he brought like like I don't mind when ex players get a coaching gig because you'll get a Brindamore or you'll get like a you know Marty St. Louis who well well Br- Brindamore is also like God we're we're like this is a Yankees podcast we're talking hockey geez. No, but Rod Brindamore, he's a good hire because he just ha- doesn't have that experience as a player. He's got that experience as a player in Carolina. Yeah. yeah. So he he knows the fans. He knows what they expect. He knows what works there and is enough of a student of the game to make adjustments accordingly. I mean, I don't know how good he is as, let's say, a talent evaluator or, or a communicator, but he's doing enough in Carolina. To get mm-hmm. the team to respond to him. Now, would that work on a, on another team? We don't know. But yeah, but like you you just said, he's got that experience not just as a player, but in Carolina specifically. Yeah, there there are about yeah, you know, there's probably less than five head coaches in the NHL who can be considered elite coaches, and then everyone else are just part of the same tier. You know, if the Rangers hire. Peter Laviolette, you know what? He's not really going to, you know, move the needle much more than what Gerard Gallant was. And Gerard Gallant wasn't going to move the needle as much as, you know, I know I'm skipping over David Quinn here, but he wasn't going to move the needle as much as like Elaine Vigneault. 
Like they're all the same right. mold of coaches. And you know, they're well, but- stubborn. They they've been around for a long time and they are they're just stubborn to change in an ever-evolving game. And you know, that's what happened when the Rangers got knocked out of the first round by the Devils after being up fucking 2-0 and shoving those games down the devil's throat, you know, like and what happened? Lindy Ruff, credit to him, as terrible yeah. he was with New York and as terrible he was with those two first two games, he made adjustments and put the onus on Gallant to ch- to adjust, and Gallant didn't. There are a lot of coaches in the NHL like that, and and a guy like Peter Laviolette, if he becomes the Rangers head coach, like I, I would have, I would have liked to see that Carberry dude from Toronto or yeah, Spencer Carberry. Yeah, so yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, look at, at we'll we'll put a pin on it this way. Laviolette at he the way I see it, like at best he might he might be that sort of Joe Tory to Galant's pugnacious Buck Showalter. Because mm-hmm. like, because say say what you want about Laviolette, yeah, he's another retread. He's an absolute journeyman. He hasn't really he hasn't gotten past the second round in forever. But he's an ex Ranger. He like guys like playing for him. He wouldn't still be getting jobs if he if that wasn't the case. Yeah, then, he, then he, he's that experience with big time talent. And, yeah, and with his time in Washington. So, but I don't know, man. Like, hockey is like maybe the greatest sport in the world, and the NHL is the worst run league in the world. It, it, it's a joke. You're saying it's worse than the KHL. Well, I mean, <laughs> gotcha. Russia shit aside. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, in uh. Yankees is shifting back. Before we get into anything, how about a nice round of applause? Aaron Hicks is finally gone. Brian Cashman finally doing what he should have done. I don't know, probably at some point last year, and just DFA'd him. Now is the now is the Orioles' problem. But uh, Alec, I got I gotta hand it. Uh, we gotta give credit where it's due. Hicks at when he was getting when he got cut, he'd been playing pretty well. Like he finally, I don't know whether to say he was turning a corner, but he'd find he'd found something. So that he was just seeing the ball better. Yeah. Yeah. It was like what? He was on a stretch of, I think, less than 10 games or so where he was starting to put together some better at-bats, hit the ball a little harder. It, it was like a five to seven game stretch, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. So, I mean, has he has he gotten any action with the with the O's yet? Uh, yeah. He had, he had two hits in his first game with them. Uh, of course he did. <laughs> He's yeah. Be a 270 hitter. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean – like I've wasted so much breath on Aaron Hicks. <laughs> it's like good riddance, good luck. You know, it's he's kind of like Bizarro Ozzy Cabrera in that you, you want him to so badly to do well because you can see he's trying so hard, but then like got to the point where okay, wish in one hand, shit in the other, see what happens first. Yeah, but like you know, I I feel like if you want to study how a player should react and versus how he shouldn't react when they're in a situation like that is, and I know you and I, you and I have talked about this like privately is look at the way Hicks handled the demotion, the lack of playing time and compare it to like how Isaiah kind of Yeah. Has, like, you know, we've had our criticisms of both players well-documented on this podcast uh, and well-documented in our group chats. But, I mean, like, credit to where credit's due. IKF never, you know, complained about playing time and saying, I'm a starter, I should be starting, and then, you know, go out there and suck. He kept his mouth shut and he worked hard. He was asked to play an entirely new position. And 
he's done a really good job. And I'm like, what? He was on fire in the Seattle series. He and- he was like, and, and I actually wrote about this the other day, Alec. I, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, it, it almost kind of speaks as to between him and Hicks. Okay, Hicks got demoted, didn't change his preparation. He was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to keep doing my thing. Someone's going to, I'm going to like keep doing my thing. Something will happen when I play. And slowly but surely, I'll get back on the field and that'll be that. IKF was like, okay, this is my role. What do I need to focus on so that I am at the highest value in this role? Okay, so he adds almost 20 pounds of muscle in the offseason. He's making a lot more hard contact, especially as of late. He was, I think, uh, in the four-hit game he had against Seattle. I I did the math on this. The average expected batting average on all of those hits was mm-hmm. 477. Okay. So he's putting the ball in play. He's hitting the ball hard. Yesterday, even in even when the Yankees lost, one nothing. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa had the farthest hit ball out of anybody on the team. Yeah, I, I know exactly what a bat you're talking about because he, he put a ride on that one. Yeah, and so... He's and so right now I think he understands. Okay, Harrison Bader, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Greg Allen's here, but I'm still going to be needed just because even with Donaldson coming back, you don't think they're going to like make him an everyday player from the get go. So yeah. he's going to get outfield reps. He's going to get infield reps, and it's clear. Like, okay, what does this team need me to do? This team needs me, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, to make hard contact. Mm-hmm. They need me to come up at bat and like just hit the ball hard, regardless of result. And unlike last year when, okay, like, the problem with IKF last year is that, okay, he had one good month and otherwise was a weak singles hitter, didn't have any pop in the ball. But you can see now he's making more hard contact. He's prioritizing exit velocity, bat-to-ball skills. He's swinging at some more bad pitches, but you can tell he's more confident at the plate. He's more focused and knows just what he can do. Yeah. And, like, you know, let's not forget, this is a dude who, you know, had 170 hits in 2021 and batted 270, right? Um, He probably got, like, you know, a little gun shy in his first season in New York and then kind of was feeling the pressure, as humans do in a pressure cooker like the Bronx. Yeah. You know, it, like... Yeah, I mean, I I don't. I'm not saying we're going to get him back to once you know 170 hits in a season, but you know, he had a pretty decent finish to last year, where you know he got that average up to 260, and right now he's batting you know a shade under 240. So in, in, in the month of May, his his OPS was I think over eight was like close to 850. Yeah, like yeah. so. So if if that final form of IKF last year, and you know. And if this kind of steadiness, I think we can call it, he's just been steady on both sides of the ball. If we get that from him for the rest of the season, then that's perfectly fine for your bottom half of the lineup. Again, I mean, part of the issue with a guy like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa last year in the beginning of this year was that you weren't getting production out of him, Hicks, and Donaldson, and Kyle Higashioka simultaneously. So having the four of those black hole black holes in the lineup, that was a major issue. But you you get rid of the black hole that was Hicks. You got Connor Falefa steadying out in in a big way. You, we'll see what Donaldson has when he comes back. Um, he was he hit over three hundred on his rehab assignment, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. But you know, then again, 
Esteban Florial is, you know, Babe Ruth down there right now. And <laughs> right, yeah. So so you never know when he comes back up and he's and he's facing major league pitching, but like you like you cut off a, a weak link in Hicks. Now you can start seeing, hey, if we can get a little bit more steadiness out of a guy like Donaldson and compare that with what IKF is bringing, then the lineup gets a little bit more deep. And, it, and, it, and and you start seeing that offensive consistency. Like, you know, tip your cap to to George Kirby. What's, what was his first name? George, George Kirby yesterday, yeah, yeah had so, everything working. Yeah, tip, tip the captain. That dude was throwing BBs and and and, and he was spotting up. Like, I, Oh, yeah. Like, I, I looked at his fan graphs page um, uh, right before his start. His soft contact this year alone, I think, is – I think at this stage of the season – and compared to all of last year, his soft contact, I want to say, is up close to five points. I, I, be, I believe going into last night's start, his soft contact rate was at or about, I want to say, like 21.6%. Yeah. That, that That's a literal dream as a manager for a for a starter who is there to eat innings. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, I, I, you know, this past week or so, they went toe to toe with like I know they were struggling, but like the San Diego Padres, who can who have as much potential in the offensive side of baseball as any. Oh yeah. Um, they went toe. The Yankees went toe to toe with them, and then you go into Seattle, who has a very good pitching staff, and the, you put up you know big runs in two of the games, and then you know baseball happens and you lose one nothing in the tenth inning. Like I mean, like th- this whole series, I thought Alec was like because we try so hard to be excited for the Mariners every year, right? Yeah, because they're one of those teams where they, you know, they can do it, they just can't execute for whatever reason. Yeah, and you saw this, you see it in this series. Okay, they have a top ten pitching staff, but sure enough, they they're all fastball dominant. Yankees feasted on. Not just Bryce Miller, who let's be honest, I looked at this game log, I thought he was going to get roasted from the get go. Mm-hmm. But they, and I thought the Yankees, I thought they would beat Logan Gilbert, just not beat up on him. Yeah, and it just goes to show, like, okay, this these Seattle Mariners, yeah, they're a very good team, but they're also still a very young team. And this year, and right now, there's some growing pains going on, especially at the play. I mean, j- just Julio Rodriguez alone twice basically killed even though they were they were down big he pretty much killed two mariners rallies because he was thinking breaking ball and got frozen with a fastball at the knees not once but twice yeah yeah i mean yeah seattle was a team that you want to see succeed you know they always have had a good fan base and you know some of the biggest names in the last 30 years of baseball have come through seattle um but yeah, you know, they're they're you know, they're not ready to take the reins of the AL West yet, but you know, I like their chances more than I like the Angels. So yeah, yeah. the Angels are just a dumpster fire. I mean, like the Mariners, I you don't want to say Scott Service is the problem, but they're kind of I feel like they're kind of becoming almost like the American League's version of the Brewers where yeah, they've got that great team and they've got they've got a good core of young players and may and the Brewers don't have a Julio Rodriguez type player yet. I mean, like maybe, um, oh God, like that. What's his face? The uh, the center fielder who got hurt now for the season. Maybe he's that guy for them at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett Mitchell. Garrett Mitchell. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but at the same time, you got to wonder, like, is Scott Service almost that Craig Council type? Where okay, the team has a bunch of talent, but there's too many nice guys. 
and you need to sort of add that fuck you factor. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think it was like Jeff Nelson was saying a, a bunch might have been game two. Uh, you know, I think a team like Seattle, they just get in the way of themselves. Yeah. So. Jeff Nelson's actually been half decent in the yes booth, too. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't been bad. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny when there was he was it was it Miller? Or was it game one where he called Miller uh, uh, not a big guy at six foot two? And Michael K was like incredulous, like, what? <laughs> and Nelson's like, yeah, well, like I'm six six. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyone not as tall as me is a small guy. And That's my true. Six foot ass is sitting there like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, yeah, my six one ass too. Uh, anyway, but the Yankees, they're in third place right now, about five games back. But even so, Alec, you, you, you got to think. You don't want to say the Yankees are playing with house money, but they're they're in a position now with guy now Stanton, Donaldson, and Tommy Canley coming back. You got to figure in August you're going to get Carlos Rodon and maybe Frankie Montas. This team is unlike last year. It's primed to do most of its damage in the second half. Yeah, that's always the it's benefit of a slower start compared to the blistering start they got out with last year. Um, yeah. And a, a thing, too, is, you know, outside of Tampa, who we'll get to probably in a second, yeah. but, like, a team like Baltimore hasn't quite been here yet. And as the dog days of summer start to unfold and and the season really becomes that grind, you know, I like the position that the Yankees are in because they're an experienced ball club. They, yeah, you know, I don't want to say, like, they – I'm not, and I'm not saying that Baltimore has, you know, quote unquote, blown their load in the first half of the season or the first quarter of the season because I do think Baltimore is a very good team. Yeah, but we've seen it over the last month or so that the Yankees have been closing that gap um, between them and the top teams of the AL East. Uh, and a perfect example on the reverse side is we've seen Toronto fade and struggle. Uh, uh, j- just for good measure, shut the fuck up, Vladdy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, like. Did, did, I think he had like a double or like a home run that entire Blue Jays series, dude. What a, what a joke team! Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, Toronto is a uh, as, Dan, as Danny Small would say the the fraud Jays, the blue frauds, <laughs> something like that. Like the whole the whole bullshit about did Aaron Judge cheat because he looked to his <laughs> right? Oh my God. I forgot about that. Toronto media was just bitter because it was coming off the heels of a disappointing second round by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah, who they, they fired a what's his face who's now in the Penguins. Christ. Oh wait, did Dubis actually join the Penguins? Yeah, like four hours ago. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ma- majorly oh shit. Chris Drury should be shitting his pants. No, actually you know what this could mean. What's that? Sorry for all the listeners that as we get back to Rangers hockey, Dubis might axe Sullivan. Oh Sully. Yeah, you're right. And if Sullivan gets axed, hello. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, all reports have said that if Sullivan became available, he would like rocket to the top of the list. But they're apparently preparing to announce Lavi like as, as soon as tomorrow. I think. How disappointing. Yeah, we'll see. How disappointing. Uh, but uh, you mentioned the Orioles, dude. Uh, they let's actually compare them with the Rays because the Orioles, like they, you said, yes, they do have a very good team. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, once he finds his stroke and sort of like 
slows down the game for himself at the plate. Really excited to see what he has going for him. Yeah. Um, Grayson Rodriguez, he they they rushed him this year. Like he he probably shouldn't have come up until after the All Star break. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like if you look at that entire Orioles lineup, yeah, it's not a sexy team on paper, but that's just a testament to how good Brandon Hyde is. And and even in the Yankee series, okay, did they win two out of three? Yeah, they did. But let's look at what happened. All right, against Esther Cortez, you had a freak inning. Congratulations. And you caught Jimmy Cordero on a night when he had nothing. You won the game. Tip the cap. But but it's a flu it's a fluky win. Next mm-hmm. night. Okay. Orioles are in control from the get-go. Great. They were the better team all night. But guess what? Kyle Gibson overachieved. 6.75 career ERA against the Yankees going into that game. All of a sudden, seven shutout innings. I think I was like watching that game and the way he was throwing his sinker, I, yeah. I was just like, I was like, the Yankees have no plan for him, and I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily blame him. Like he would, like his sink, sinker was biting hard, and it was fast. That, was that's probably the best his sinker has looked since he was with the Twins. If we're yeah. being honest, I, I was just sitting there and I was like, you know what? Fair enough. Like that, and, that, that looks unhittable right now. And look, look, let let's just be honest with ourselves. Like the the Yankees. They are not a team built to hit against sinker ballers. Dylan Lawson stresses find your ball up in the zone and hit it hard. Now that now that said, I want to tip the cap to to Boone for this decision he made. This this was in the walk off game. Okay, this was in the walk off game. Um, so um, or or was it game two? Okay, it doesn't matter. Yet Yenny or Cano, right? Mm-hmm. Big power sinker out of all out of the Orioles bullpen. He came in and the Yankees, um, they pinch hit for uh, Jake Bowers for somebody. Uh, and I remember saying in the, in the ESNY Slack chat, no, this makes sense. Oh, th- this was the DJ Bunting game for context. Oh, yeah. And you, dude, you're about to be so proud of me. I said, no, no, no. Like, th- this is why that move made sense is that Jake Bowers, he's got that longer swing that clears the lower part of the zone. That's who you want against a sinker baller and look what he did he like murdered the ball out to center field but yeah. then i explained dj lemayhu he thrives on balls up in the zone and he yes he does hit a lot of ground balls so against the power sinker maybe he did want to try and bunt but that said he's a two-time batting champion what he should have been doing is swinging early to try to get the ball in the air right yeah yeah, yeah. Look, at, mean, look at me i'm a hitting coach there you go that was a, a perfect understanding of a. Uh you know, pitch shape and, and pitch break versus a guy's swing plane. Proud of you, Josh. Very Thank, proud. thank you. But sticking with hitting mechanics, how worried should we be about DJ? Um, you know, I'm a little worried. I like, I, I never thought he was going to be the, the AL, AL batting champion again. Right. But, you know, I, maybe it was like all the injuries, and also he's getting a little older and that swing is slowing down a bit. But, yeah. Yeah. I, so, there are some times when his approach changes and, and like, the, well, his last home run where he hit the right field at Yankee Stadium. Yes. Um, the like that, yeah. Like that was perfect. Right. Right. So sometimes I wonder what he's trying to do at the plate. And I also wonder if he knows what he's trying to do at the plate because he's always kind of been one of those guys where it's like, all right, just think right center with the hard stuff. And then when you get pitched soft, like you will be early enough to pull it. 
So, and then, but sometimes it seems like he moves away from that and he, and he, and he chases after pitches that are inside and he gets beat or he, he tops too many baseballs and stuff. And yeah, you know, no, God, I I think that there's reason to be semi cautiously optimistic on DJ LeMayhew. If only because I looked at his monthly splits from last year, April, he, he had like 280 in April, which, okay, that was like a little, that was a little much, but then he, he really um, regressed in May, came back in June, hit 340 in July, and then got hurt. Right. So maybe he's, maybe that's going to have, maybe he'll like, that's going to like get him back on track. I think that middle of the order is where he needs to be, even if he, maybe he's still getting used to that. Uh, okay. I, th- I think that once with Stanton and Donaldson back in the lineup, having DJ LeMahieu in the middle of it, that's only going to do good things for the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been an even better move, and I, I think you'll agree with me on this one. Glaber Torres is a leadoff man. I was just about to say, Josh, you were going to be proud of me because I was going to give props to Glaber Torres. Yeah, I he's having a great month. He's hitting an even 300 yeah. uh, at a, um, as the leadoff man this year, betting an even cleaner 333 over this 11-game hitting streak. It's like... What's the thing we get on Glaber all the time, man? It's like, oh, okay, he's a great natural contact hitter. I, like, I don't need to beat that dead horse, but he's Pavel, ba- Pavel Dotsuk with a baseball bat. <laughs> uh, but he's always trying to hit home runs. Now you have him in the leadoff spot where his literal job is to hit for contact. Yeah. It's like, no, okay, you know what? Like, we are going to browbeat this into you. You're the leadoff man. Do not swing for a home run. Yeah. Yeah, just get on base and let Aaron Judge and everyone else behind you drive you in. Like, set the tone early, and he's in. He's having better approaches. He doesn't look as lost as some like when he's low and and not producing. So, yeah, I mean, he he was a beast during the Seattle series, and and, and you you can see. And I I want your take on this. Like I I because I've noticed this especially when he goes up the middle with the hit. Um, He's not so worried anymore, it seems, about having a clean swing. Yeah, I you know, I think that's always something that people discredit and they and they shouldn't is you know you can be a good hitter and you can be athletic, and it doesn't mean having to be stubborn in one swing, you know. Yeah. Guys like Aaron Judge or whatever, like they can be stubborn in the one swing because yeah. They're like because they're bigger and, and they know how they're going to generate their power or whatever. But like a guy, like, one guy who I really admire and is really good at this, and I noticed it uh, today because I was watching the game, and he did it to spoil a pretty decent, um, I think, two strike pitch. A guy who's really good at this is Starling Marte. Yeah, yeah. Where you know, again, this is a guy who hit two ninety two last year in his first season with the Mets, who, and then he hit in twenty twenty one. He hit three ten. Like this is a high contact, high base hit kind of dude who knows how to set the tone at the top of the lineup. He will spoil good pitches. And yeah, there are gonna be times he's gonna look stupid. But you know what? They don't ask how, they ask how many. And I yeah. they're like you gotta have a good understanding of what kind of hitter you want to be. And I think how Torres is hitting right now, this is this is how he should be all the time. Like yeah. You know, we don't need the 39 home runs he hit as a as a rookie or, or, or second year player. You know, yeah, 
It's like be in the 20 to 25 home run range. Be the even next, that, 15 to 20. Be the next DJ yeah. Lane. Yeah, because like Glaber Torres also, like if if just be the way that he speaks to media, the way he talks about his team, like this is a very smart and conscientious guy. He knows free, his free agency is coming up. Yeah. And like the time is now for him to start upping his value. Yeah. Because like he could plateau the rest of the way. And yeah, he'll get a contract, just not like the contract. Because at, at, at that rate, he's probably looking at a, at a hometown discount to stay with the Yankees if they don't mm-hmm. trade him. Uh, but backtracking because we've we talked about Torres, like the offense as a whole looks pretty good. The Rays should be nervous on for several reasons. They're getting hurt, their bullpen is finally crumbling at the foundation, just like we predicted a few years ago. Like, I don't want to say it's Schadenfreude, Alec, but it's pretty damn close. <laughs> You know, they're going to come to a hard place soon, I think. You know, they've kind of they kind of steadied out just a bit. Um, and they're they're keeping pace at the top of the of the standings for the last like 10 games or six and four, um, which matches the Yankees for the best uh 10 game sample size. So but, you know, we saw it with the Yankees where they got off to such a historic start and then they fell hard in, what was it, June? No, uh, you're talking about last year? Yeah. Was August. it July? August. It was August. Uh, like, like, like mid-late July into August. Yeah. So, you know, baseball is a game of averages. Yep. And right now Tampa's playing way above what they should be. And so there's going to be a regression to the mean. And yeah, like you said, it's starting to starting to rear its ugly head, and I, for one, cannot wait. <laughs> I'm a hater who is preying on their downfall. So. Yeah, I'm I'm praying for their downfall, but at the same time, I just kind of feel bad for Kevin Cash because all of the race success of the past five or so years, it's because of him. He yeah. is he is the heartbeat of that team. You could probably put Kevin Cash either on the Milwaukee Brewers or on the St. Louis Cardinals probably next year, and within three years he'll have a ring. Yeah, like yeah, because yeah, and because now you're also seeing like how much of the prime raise even before Kevin Cash, how much of that was Andrew Friedman, who's now with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the raise it's just. I said this uh, last month when I wrote something, I think after the after the Yankee Stadium series split, that building a division lead early is easy. Maintaining yeah. it is way harder. Look at yeah. the Yankees last year. They, they almost coughed it up. Yeah, I mean, like, they, you know, the age-old adage is you can't win this the division in the first, month and a half but you can certainly lose it yep um right now we're at such a time where there's so much parity in the al east you can't even you know you yeah not being able to win it in the first month and a half rings especially true so the rays did themselves a favor no doubt getting out to such a large lead at a point but like you know now baltimore is four games behind tampa and the yankees are six games behind tampa like they're, like teams are are closing in on them, 
And yeah, and and like I don't think anyone takes the Blue Jays seriously anymore because we're seeing this year. All right, John Schneider, maybe maybe not completely in over his head, but it's getting pretty close. I'm worried it's kind of spiraling towards there. Like it's like I, I'm sorry, like you're an ex catcher, so this will make you mad too. How is it that as an ex catcher you forget that the second mound visit means you have to change the pitcher? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that was that, bad, dude. That that was very bad. I mean. Like, and you can kind of look at the behavior from from him and the rest of the Blue Jays during the Yankees series. There's a little bit of panic in that clubhouse. There is a little bit of frustration where, like you said, it's kind of spiraling a bit, you know? Yeah, like who knows what's going on, what's going on with Alec Manoa? Yeah, Alec Manoa is a mess. He is an, like – my God, he is awful. Like, and, like what and, the hell? At? Like, not, not even Max Greenfield knows what happened to him. You know, I I wonder if there is some truth to the pitch clock. And I wonder if this is a warning that for a guy like Manoa, he's got to get in the better shape. Because yeah. it's moving quicker. It's and and he he's a big guy to begin with both in weight and size. So, you yeah. know, those factors alone makes it really difficult to replicate your, your delivery. And so when you have an added time crunch on it, you know, it, it's the biggest concern is, you know, not the five, four, six ERA. It's the 41 walks and 57 innings. Yeah. Cause like that makes me think that he's just, I mean, you mentioned the pitch clock. He's probably just getting so winded between pitches that he's probably not not even like capable of making sure that he's got the right grip on the ball, that his mechanics are right. It's probably like all up here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we've, we've kind of seen something similar with Nestor Cortez, who like kind of relies so much on deception as opposed to power compared to compared to Manoa. But at the same time, Nestor does he, he, now. Nestor's not not chubby like Manoa by any by any stretch of the imagination. But he still kind of has that smaller squatter build where he's kind of got like that absolute minimal belly, we'll call it, where if, if you're carrying that early in the season, okay, like without with like with the pitch clock, maybe that's gonna maybe that's gonna affect you. Whereas because we've we've seen it this year with Cortez, he can't go through the third time in the order anymore. Whereas last year, when he was able to take his time, sort of refocus, reestablish just what he had to do to get the guy out. Now it's just oh, okay, like I'm pitching, like I, I gotta go, 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 go. Oh, pitch con, boom, let's go. Yeah, and that's like for anyone who doesn't understand what that is like, you know, if you go like go to the gym, and and like push yourself to do a weightlifting exercise where your rest time is very minimal, yeah. and like you know that doesn't mean like go out there and do five pounds of X, Y, and Z. It's no go out there, do as heavy of a weight as you can. Tell yourself to finish that that set in a certain time, and then only give yourself like like fifteen to twenty seconds of rest, and then do it again. And feel how tired you're going to get a lot quicker because you're keeping your your heart rate up, right? So so yeah. you're, you're kind of more fully engaged with the workout instead of like, okay, I just finished my rep. Now I'm going to sit here for forty five seconds to a minute, looking at my phone all right, now I'm ready to go again and go. It's like, no. And so for pitching like this, it you know, for a guy like Manoa, absolutely, yeah. I think that is a, a leading cause of his struggles. And he, and even with a hitting drill, like, I mean, you, I mean, you probably did this uh, playing in college and in high school. 
just where the coach has the has the pitching machine going, has the bucket of balls, goes for it, and guys just go up and take swings. Take your swing, back of the line. Take your swing, back of the line. The pitches keep getting faster, faster, and faster, and you got to be ready to like, hey, get there, take your swing. Yeah. And like, if you're if you're not ready for it, too bad. Back of the line. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, but. On the whole, uh, the division, I mean, the the Red Sox, they're going to overachieve as long as Alex Gore is in the chair there. Yeah, but they're not even, like, even then, they kind of have fallen. Like, I know they're a game over 500 right now, but they've lost three in a row. Well, they're yeah, tough. yeah, but that that's still overachieving compared to what was expected of them going into the season. Yeah, fair. I mean, Mat- Masataki Yoshida has been really good uh, at an absolute minimum. I know. I dropped him on my fantasy team way too early. Wah, wah. <laughs> uh but coming up oh you excited for the dodger series i am it, it, I'm, I'm glad that you know the teams with as much history as the yankees and dodgers have you know we're going to get to see them again that that's the thing like i know people are knocking interleague play and how it kind of waters down the product as a whole but at the same time so many young fans now younger casual fans are going to be exposed to just this rich history that exists between all these teams. And it's like, oh man, like now they get to play each other on the regular like, and actually rebuild a rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be an interesting matchup though, because hitting wise, the Yankees and the Dodgers are pretty close. They're, they're both kind of in that lower third of the league. Uh, but the Yankees this year, they have a top 10 pitching staff. I, I forget where they're ranked right now, but the Dodgers right now, they're, they're not even top 15. They might not even be top 20. And their staff ERA is four point four six. Yeah, like so. What they they lost Dustin May, right? They just lost Dustin May. Walker Bueller's out for the season. Arias yeah. just went down too. Like the the pitching matchups this this week. It's uh, Kershaw's going Friday. It's two guys I've never heard of Saturday or Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, rather. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean. Kershaw's all right, 3.32 ERA. He's striking out more than a batter per inning. And, you know, uh, yeah. And then after that, you got Noah Syndergaard, who's awful. Oh, which, Syndergaard's pitching? He Yeah, he wasn't listed last time I checked. That must be new. He's one and four with a 6.54 ERA. I don't know if he's pitching in the series. I'm just looking at their team. Oh, yeah, no, he's not pitching the series. Oh, three min- as of three minutes ago. Chris Sale exits early versus the Reds. Uh-oh. He's on he, my fantasy team, too. He, he's been pitching well, too. Yeah, he has. That's a, that's a bummer. I also did an emergency pickup of Tyler Glass now. Godspeed. <laughs> it's worked out so far. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean. And, you know, Kershaw, when he's pitching, they're probably going to, the producer's probably going to be in everyone's ear talking about his remarks recently. What were his remarks? Oh, he's he's pissy about the Dodgers doing Pride Night and doesn't like the group that they're like like the drag group that they invited. Jesus. It's like I I read his remarks now. Now Kershaw's record politically, he he's okay. He's very pro Black Lives Matter. He does a lot of humanitarian work in Africa with his wife. I'm I'm just starting to wonder if he's just one of these people who's like yeah, like everything's fine. I just don't personally like religion being made fun of. Like my favorite, my favorite Anne is the same way. She'll be first in line at a drag show. She'll like watch RuPaul do this, do that. But she just doesn't enjoy jokes about religion. Full stop. Like that's her line. Yeah, and you know what? That 
is fair to an extent for sure right um, but like but this this whole con the whole comments he made they just screamed like almost pick me in a way yeah yeah like pick me look at me yeah we don't and we don't need to get into the whole theological debate of it all <laughs> right yeah you know it's yeah it's well unfortunately religion has been weaponized far too often and uh yeah and i i say this is probably one of the few i guess millennials who doesn't consider themselves atheists but it's just it breaks my heart how they've weaponized it but anyway this is this is bleacher creatures not msnbc yet. <laughs> yeah let's please not be msnbc <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't mind msnbc but move, moving on <laughs> um but yeah it's the how about boone getting his getting uh ejected a bunch lately and then suspended for it did you see, like, apparently he's considered a Karen amongst the umpires? Are you serious? I, I saw a report about that, that, like, umpires are kind of, they they have kind of unionized against him. So wait, wait. I'm really interested to know what he says in those ejections, because I feel like he gets personal. I mean, he does sometimes. God, they right. think he, if they think he's a Karen, I wonder what they think of a David Bell. Yeah, right. But you know what? It's uh yeah it's um the state of umpiring is not good. It, it is not. It is not. And the, you don't uh, want to be screamed at. Well, you know what? Be better. Do your they're job gonna, better. Yeah. They're gonna lose their jobs because they're so bad at it. Yeah. Uh, this seems like a good way to close the show. Uh, Clay Holmes finally seems like himself again. Yeah, I mean, we say that now until uh, you know, he has a hard time with that uh, with that sinker in in a week. Yeah, I mean, that's another guy with pitch clock. You got to wonder, like, maybe just because his sinker is so intricate and unique on its own, maybe, like, that's why he's losing control of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a big-time, lively arm. We we were spoiled with a guy like Mariano for as long as we were. We really were. And, the, well, and, that, and that creepy pedophile John Wetland before him. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Forgot about him. Yeah, let's so, let's keep yeah, it that way. This is this is the modern game, like this is how it is. That's the great thing is you know when Clay Holmes struggles, it's not a, a problem unique only to the Yankees. Every team is going to go through it. Yeah. You know, well, and then meanwhile, Wandy Peralta just has absolute ice water in his veins. <laughs> Pearl, what a guy! What a character! Dio Wandy. <laughs> we're getting canely back so that's gonna be interesting i'm so excited for tommy canely to come back just for the sheer ridiculousness like i'm curious to see what his uh, pro wrestling theme is going to be this year coming out of the bullpen right yeah um i i wonder if it's gonna be like an undertaker theme nah i don't know if it'll be under maybe if like as back from the day oh yeah (laughs) good point so either way it's um Considering how it's June 1st, the Yankees, they're not in the best position, but like the group chat is certainly isn't as angry as we think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also because like, I, you know, experience has taught me to temper expectations with the Yankees. Yeah. And after getting burned as bad as I did with the Rangers, I've, I've gone numb inside to personal sports. Yeah. Well, uh, that, now you know how I feel about the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, uh, and I'll tell you what, it's liberating. It's free. I don't let I don't yeah. let the Yankees control my emotions. Uh, speaking of emotions, that with the speaking Rangers. of emotions, this is a great way to. This is actually the perfect way to close to close the show tonight. Uh, did you watch the Ted Lasso finale? You know what's funny? 
Yeah. I was in the middle of watching it, and then 8.15 came around, and I, I got to go up and do the podcast. So oh, man, get ready. My girlfriend and her sister finished the episode downstairs. <laughs> I, I am I so sorry. Out. I walked out, I think, just, uh, right around halftime of the game. So, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to the... <sighs> God, what are we going to watch now that Ted Lasso's over? God help us. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to provide such warmth. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, you know what? We're going to cl- we're gonna formally close the show with this. Garrett Cole, had, we, we talk about 10 starts where you have everything, 10 where you have nothing, 10 where you improvise. Mm-hmm. Garrett Cole, I mean, there's been a couple starts where it's looked like he's had nothing. Then he kind of like finds it. Then he has nothing again. Max doesn't seem to be too, too worried about him. Says like, oh, he's so close to figuring it out, which I'm inclined to agree, but it, it I do not like watching Garrett Cole pitch badly. Like it, it's disheartening. Yeah. He's very mercurial. If you think about it, very kind of just, you know, yeah. One day he'll look like the guy he looked like in Houston. And then the other day he'll look like the guy he was in Pittsburgh. And you know, it's. I have a feeling that he's gonna do things to the Dodgers, to say the least. I hope so. Because uh, apparently, uh, his wife's family all despise the Dodgers. Well, that makes sense because his wife's brother is Brandon Crawford. Oh no, Crawford's married to his sister, right? No, 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 no. He, no, um, Cole's wife Amy is Brandon's sister. Right. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, it make it makes sense. I I just thought it was really funny how when he was talking about his free agency, someone apparently asked him, "Oh, so the Do- the Dodgers were never part of the conversation?" He goes, "No, no, Amy doesn't like the Dodgers." <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have to deal with the fact that they're gonna get Shohei Otani at the end of the the season. So, yeah, I, I don't mind the Dodgers getting. I don't care where Shohei Otani ends up as long as it as long as he stays away. From the Red Sox? No, he won't go to Boston. Nah, you kidding me? I wouldn't mind him in Seattle. That would be fun, him in Seattle. Following his hero's footsteps. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, even him on the Mets would be a fun would be a fun instance. Just because he'll be in New York, but yeah, I wouldn't be able to. It's bad enough that they have Pete Alonso. God. Oh, Mets Twitter! Don't don't encourage them. All right, folks. Well, thanks for your patience and coming back with us. Announcement uh, starting next week uh, and every other week, every other week while he's available, James Kelly is going to be on the show with us. He will be joining us for his Yankees takes and we will be making fun of him for his tasting Girl Scout cookies, TV shows, among other things. Uh, But yeah, it's going to be a good summer, man. I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, are you even excited for when Saquon Barkley is eventually traded? You know, at this point, I've completely forgotten about that situation. Like, <laughs> there you well, go. I, I, I don't know what he's trying to do because I thought I thought the offers the Giants have made towards him were completely fair. They were. They were. You know, like, I don't know what he exactly he's wanting or waiting for, but, you know, it's disappointing. But, yeah. Again, the, the Giants their issue lies beyond just like, you know, Saquon Barkley. Like if they lost Saquon Barkley, does it really move the needle for them one way or the other? Not Absolutely really, not. Because no. they still have to fix that offensive line and get a receiver. 
And you know, well, 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 yeah, you drafted a receiver. Yeah, that's true. But they, so again, like I'm out of I'm out of touch with kind of football in general because yeah, like the idea of me thinking because like what they got the receiver in the third round. Uh, no, I think Jalen Hyatt was their one. Was he their one? Yeah. So like, but like even then, in football, the idea of like relying on your first round draft pick immediately. Right. It's kind of like asinine. Like, like you kind of get in hockey, depending on the player. Like when the when the Blackhawks get Connor Bedard, like you know what that's going to be. But like speaking, you know, speaking of the Blackhawks, Patrick Kane out four to six months after hip surgery. Oh, absolutely. Not, we'll see where he ends up being. The the Rangers might re up him on like a one year. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Yeah, re up re up on him and then put him on the LTIR. You know, stash his cap away for for a bit and then figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Let let, let him sit till like Christmas and bring him back. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, you know what? With the Giants, it's even even with Saquon, it, mm-hmm. they're going to have a hard time in in the division, just because the Eagles are the Eagles and the Cowboys are just better constructed. Um, so if Absolutely. Saquon ends up getting traded, it you know what, whatever. All and right, and the Giants it, did all they could. They really did. All right, folks, uh, we will see you next week for Bleacher Creatures. James Kelly will be with us. We will be discussing the Yankees mid-White Sox series. We'll recap the Dodgers. And coming up next weekend, the first Red Sox series of the season. Oh, God. Yeah. I I think James is going to the Friday night game, actually. Anyway, we we will talk about that next week. Thanks for listening, folks. Enjoy the games. 